Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I am Rosie. And we have Burrito with us today. He is <laughs> on Rosie's lap and he's ready to record. <laughs> yeah. So if you hear any noises, it just might be him. We're finally able to pull ourselves away from taking cat pictures because <laughs> he's so adorable right now. Yep, that's what but we were doing for real. <laughs> if you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen our story. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> it's so cute. Okay, let's get into this. Today we're going to be sharing a listener story again. This week we're talking about Sam. Sam is one of our listeners that was willing to share her story, and she's from New Zealand. So shout out to the Kiwis listening to our show. Also, I did Google, is Kiwi an offensive term in New Zealand? Because I didn't want to be presumptuous. And on the contrary, actually, Google said it's a badge of pride to be a Kiwi. So I hope Google was right. If you're curious, it's actually derived from the flightless bird, which is a symbol of the country. So the more you know. (laughs) Anyway, before we start, I just got to say, I love New Zealand accents. He does. (laughs) <laughs> Taika Waititi, um, he's the director of Thor Ragnarok and the voice behind Korg the Rock Man, and he's probably one of my favorite human beings ever. Behind me, of course. Oh yeah, right. he's just—he's <laughs> got such an interesting perspective on creativity, and his voice is so cool. Mm-hmm. But enough fangirling from me about New Zealand, because the reason we're talking about tonight means that there's also some pretty terrible people there. Right. So tonight we're talking about Sam. And to clarify, she's not who I'm talking about when I say terrible people. (laughs) Well, that's good. Her story begins when she was 14, going on 15 years old. Yeah, she says she was a bit of a rebellious teenager, kind of a handful. Yeah, Sam would sneak out of the house at night to go hang out with friends and drink. And she would also ditch school pretty often to go hang out with her group of friends, which a lot of kids do that. Yeah. The group was partially her age and partially older kids who would buy her and her friends cigarettes and booze. And of course, as a kid who's not old enough to buy these things themselves, these older kids seem so cool at the time. Mm -hmm. And Rosie, you can relate to that kind of effect in your own personal story. The kids that are older than you are so cool. Right. And the way kids perceive older people, I mean... They can do things kids can't, so it's pretty understandable. Mm -hmm. So there was this guy named Kieran in the group of friends that was taking an interest in Sam. They exchanged numbers and started texting back and forth. And we should mention that this guy was around 30 years old at the time, and Sam was just barely 15. So you can see there's quite an age gap there. Now you always know in the 30-year-old that's hanging out with teenagers, like, there's something wrong. Yeah. (laughs) From an adult perspective, you think that but when you're a kid you're like oh this kid's this guy's cool he's yeah 30 right so at first their conversations were pretty innocent and friendly but eventually they began to turn flirtatious and from there they became sexual and sam pointed out how much easier it is to say things over text that you wouldn't feel comfortable saying in real life mm-hmm. and i can attest to that i mean i know for a fact that Rosie, we were texting when we found out we liked each other. Right. It's just easier to say things that way. In fact, you didn't even want to talk on the phone. 
Yeah. <laughs> like we're dating. How sad is that? That's super sad. I mean, we're in our late 20s now, but we're still um, part of no, that. No, we aren't in our late 20s. I'd like, to, I'd like that to be on the record. <laughs> <laughs> but we're still part of that millennial, you know, addicted to their phones group. Mm-hmm. Right. I just, I'm not, I'm not even 25. Because so. it does have a, an impact on your social skills when you're, it's so much easier now to just text. It makes communicating in person more difficult if you mm-hmm. don't do it regularly. Right. Again, not even 25. Anyway, let's go back oh, to the story. good for you. <laughs> Sam was in a vulnerable spot when she met Kieran. She had already been through a really rough time. Her dad left her mom when she was only nine years old, and it felt like a part of her died. And... We can both kind of relate to that feeling. It's mm-hmm. such a massive blow to your life when a parent is suddenly gone. And, and parents are like a pillar in your life, and they kind of hold you up. And if one of them disappears, you crumble. Right. Yeah, we both can totally understand. Sam fell in a really difficult time and began harming herself and abusing drugs and alcohol whenever she could. Which is a fix that Kieran, the 30-year-old, provided for her. So... He became a source of relief for her, being able to get the drugs and alcohol from him, and it helped her forget about how broken she felt, you know? Drugs can be like an escape from your difficult reality. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And added to that, getting this attention from an older man, who, again, kids view as really cool, was kind of filling the void that was left by her father. Right. One night when a group of friends was hanging out and they were getting pretty lit, they decided to go over to Kieran's house and continue drinking there. Sam had a lot to drink, and being a young teenager, she had a bit too much. And, I mean, that happens when you're inexperienced with alcohol. You don't really know how much your body will react if you don't have any experience and how much is too much. And... Mm -hmm. It's easier than you realize before you have experience with it to go a little overboard. Right. Sam was on the couch, pretty out of it, and Kieran picked her up and brought her to a dark bedroom, telling her that she could rest there until she was ready to go home. He laid her down on the bed, but he didn't leave. She felt him standing over her. So just to warn you, it's about to get dark, so if you are sensitive to sexual assault, and things of that nature, just be aware that it's taking a dark turn now. Out of nowhere, Sam started to feel someone pulling on her pants. It was Kieran, taking off her pants and underwear. She tried to fight it, but she was too drunk to be able to do anything. She asked him to stop, but he replied that she must be down for this because of the nature of their sexual texts. (sighs) So, right there, she's flat out telling him to stop, and... That's where this becomes rape, because it doesn't matter what was said in the past. It doesn't matter what the texts were. Right here, in this moment, she's telling him to stop. She's not consenting. And, I mean, the same principle applies to a married couple. Just because you're married to someone and you've been romantic and sexual in the past, it doesn't mean you can force yourself on them if they're saying they don't want it, Mm -hmm. you know? The logic he's using here is so selfish and disrespectful to her, but it gets even worse. After ignoring her request, he took his own pants off and started to get on top of her. 
She tried to scream for help, but he covered her mouth and pinned her down. Then he started trying to rape her. She was able to find a way to scream again, and thankfully her friends heard her and came to the room to stop him and got him off of her. So this part is really sad, but she, after this, she just felt disgusting and started to cry. And he went on to tell everybody that she wanted it, and that's why he did what he did. Again, his logic is so flawed, but it's just so sad that she's the one that felt disgusting, and she's the one that felt the shame when the one that actually did the bad thing sat there defending his own actions. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, isn't that such a problem, that the victim is the one that feels the shame? Yeah. And the other one's... It's so backwards. Yeah. Sam gathered herself as much as she could and walked home. When she got home, she was visibly upset, and her mom asked her what was wrong. But she really didn't want to talk about it and played it off like everything was fine. Then she locked herself in her bedroom. And again, just to be safe, we want to warn you, this next part could be triggering for listeners sensitive to self-harm. So you may want to skip ahead if you are. Sam was in turmoil, and she didn't know what to do to feel better. So she started cutting herself to try to make the pain go away. And it's so sad that she was in so much emotional turmoil over what just happened that she was too ashamed to talk to her mom about it. And she felt she needed to resort to self-harm. And like I talked about last week, this is why shame is such a dangerous thing. Because without the proper view of it, it can make victims feel like they're to blame for the bad things that happened to them. I mean, shame is healthy for Kieran to feel in this situation, the 30-year-old man, because he did something really bad, and he was the cause of this terrible situation. So he should be feeling that. But Sam was a teenager. She was 15, and she was completely taken advantage of. And he used the tactic we discussed last week of filling a need for his target. He gave a girl with no father attention from an older man, He bought her booze and drugs to help her cope with her loss, and then he tried to use it to get his own sexual gratification from a 15-year-old. So he's being a total creep, and sadly, it kept getting worse. People started talking behind Sam's back, calling her a slut because she had slept with a much older man. No one realized that she had been taken advantage of and abused by him. But sadly, for years, Sam went on believing that she deserved what happened because she had been a little flirty in texts. So, Rosie, how (laughs) do you feel about this? I feel so upset, because I also was called a slut by some peers and adults. Mm -hmm. And it's so unfair. It's so unfair for Sam to feel this way. Yeah. Because... I mean, you were around the same age as her, right? Yeah, 14, 15. Like you had said before, um, consent at the moment, means more than a couple of flirty texts sent weeks or days prior. And this is even more different than your situation because Mm -hmm. she wasn't, she didn't want it from him at the time at all. Right, She wasn't, she hadn't given in to the manipulation because Mm -hmm. she was trying to refuse it, but he had gotten her drunk. Yeah. I hope Sam doesn't believe this anymore. (laughs) No. I don't think so. I mean, she's gotten to a point where she's willing to share this, so that's really commendable and Mm -hmm. really nice to see. Because, 
I mean, you can attest that these stories are not easy to share. No, they're not. I mean, that shame, as much as we say that victims shouldn't feel shame and survivors shouldn't feel shame, it's still, it's hard to shake off, Mm -hmm. don't you think? Well, yeah, that's why we have to say it over and over and over again for victims to realize it. So that's not the end of Sam's story. A year later, she met another man who would become a much more serious relationship. When Sam was 16, she met a man named Eli. When they met, he was a great guy. And in her mind at the time, he felt like the best thing that ever happened to her. At first, their relationship was good. They had lived in the same town and started hanging out a lot and got to know each other. But he and his family ended up moving two hours away. So they dated off and on long distance. Most weekends, he would travel to see her, and she would travel his way when she could make it work. When Sam turned 18, something happened that shocked her. She had said something that Eli didn't like, and he ended up pushing her so hard that she flew across the room and hit her head on a drawer and fell. But he apologized soon after and said that he was drunk and didn't mean to do it, promising that it would never happen again. Yeah. And sadly, in retrospect, Sam wishes she could have taken this incident as a warning sign. And for this guy, I don't think you can exactly blame booze for becoming a violent jerk. It may exacerbate it and make it harder to have self-control, but being willing to physically assault another person doesn't come from the bottle. You know, it's it's something that's inside of you mm-hmm. that, you know, you need to control whether you're drunk or not a couple more years passed without incident and sam became pregnant when she was 20 and gave birth to a baby boy now of course i mean not speaking from experience but (laughs) we assume caring for a newborn baby takes a lot of time and at this point sam began to become isolated from her friends and family and all she really had around this time was eli and his family And Eli started exercising dominance and control that he had over her now that she had his child and was dependent on him. Eli wasn't happy that Sam had gained weight during the pregnancy and forced her to lose the baby weight right away. Within two weeks of giving birth, she had gone from 56 kilograms down to 46 kilograms. What is that ratio? Okay. I'm glad you asked. If you're like me and Rosie, uh, and you can't wrap your mind around the conversion from kilograms to pounds, um, basically 10 kilograms is 22 pounds. Oh, okay. So she was forced to lose almost two pounds per day. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That's like no food at all plus exercise. Like I can't even wrap my mind around that. Hmm. When her son was about eight weeks old, she moved in with him. This is when Eli started to set requirements, like this for Sam, for her physical appearance. She was required to be thin and have long blonde hair and wear high heels at all times. That sounds miserable. I'm sorry you had to live with that, Sam. That sounds terrible. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm shook by the high heels thing. I know. All the time? (sighs) And he kept her in the house most of the time? Like, why? Why stilettos? Yeah. Wait, 
Well, stilettos are high heels, right? They're a type of high heel. You're I don't know so what I'm talking about. Cute. No, not with that. Eli wanted her to be seen and not heard. So he's taking away her own agency as a human being, basically. And his family was also in on the control and abuse. They would always try to take her son off of her and wouldn't let her leave the house without their permission. And they actually had the doors and windows locked. And they would they would have to unlock the doors and windows for her if she wanted to leave. Wow. Like, they were locked from both sides, apparently. And they'd never let her leave the house with her son unless Eli was with her. So just crazy control. Eli continued to get more and more violent with Sam. And he wasn't even discreet about it around his family. In their minds, she deserved whatever he did to her because she wasn't doing as she was told. What a bunch of psychopaths. Yeah. This story reminds me of Cassie, the other listener story we had. I think it was number three. Yeah, I was just thinking that in my head. That, I mean, it's the same. It's basically imprisonment in the house. Mm -hmm. Definitely. There's a lot of similarities in the stories. Uh, and it's such a sickening form of abuse, acting like you own another human being and that another human must be obedient to you. That's completely, it breaks the trust of a relationship. And at that point, it's no longer a balanced relationship, but it's more of an ownership. Mm-hmm. Almost viewing the other person as a pet. It's disgusting, especially seeing that the family went along with it. You know, they're guilty by association. Oh. They're totally guilty. They're just guilty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sam was starting to wear out from caring for a newborn baby to suffering through physical and emotional abuse. It was a lot to handle, but she did her best to take care of her baby. And she said she loved her baby boy more than life itself. And sometimes while she was trying to get some rest, Eli would hit her or push her, asking her to get him something. He was demanding. And no matter how she was feeling, he would ask her for what he wanted when he wanted it. Yeah. And Sam, she has a sleeve tattoo on one of her arms. And Eli would actually target that arm to hit because the bruises would blend in with the tattoos. What a jerk. Eli's view of Sam became more and more degraded. And he treated her like she was a lying slut. She felt like she was walking on eggshells around him, always afraid to set him off. So she would do her best to tread lightly and avoid getting hurt by him again. But inevitably, it escalated over time. And at one point, he grabbed her by the hair and threw her across the room. Her head hit the wall so hard that it got split open. Oh, gross. And this all happened right in front of their baby. As much as Sam feared Eli and his outbursts of rage, she still loved him and hoped that deep down that it would stop. Yeah, and no doubt there was probably a lot of gaslighting that he would do between these violent attacks. We know that he would convince her and his family that it was all her fault because Mm -hmm. she wasn't obeying his demands. I hope that they brought her to the hospital when that happened. I know, that's that's really scary because it could have been like concussion. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually, Eli started forcing her to play out violent and forceful rape fantasies in the bedroom. Yikes. Yeah, that's, I, okay, I 
personally would really be concerned if my partner wanted to do that. Then he started hiring prostitutes to come over and would make Sam sleep with them while he recorded it on his camera. He had an obsession with porn, and he would compare Sam to the porn stars and tell her that if she didn't want to be punished, she needed to act and look like them. She didn't want to comply with this, and so she was punished for it. What a disgusting power imbalance here. I mean, he's devaluing Sam and her contributions to the relationship by making her feel like she's never good enough, and he's trying to force her to disrespect herself and who she is by acting out fantasies that she really wants no part in. I mean, it's so disrespectful of Sam as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's disgusting. The prostitute thing. Yeah, or acting out rape fantasies. Oh, yeah. That's, I don't, where do you even come up with that? I don't, porn, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Well, I don't know, but it shows desires that someone has deep down that are scary. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to even talk about it. Again, Eli's family knew that he was hurting her often, but they never did anything to stop him or to help her. Yeah, that's another part that really disturbs me. I guess maybe they didn't know what to do, but come on, just try to be a kind person. If you see another person that needs help, help them. On Eli's 21st birthday, things reached another level of messed up. And he had only... He's just turning 21 with all this stuff? Like, what is this kid's issue? There's some serious dark stuff going on in his life. You know? Yeah. It's, I guess, inexperience or just immaturity. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They went out and partied that night, and afterwards they got a motel room. But as soon as they got to the motel, he started going off on her. Yeah, he started to attack her punching her arms and legs so hard that she could barely walk. And they left black bruises. She couldn't even get up off the floor. She laid on the nasty floor of the motel, just crying. Mm. But this pissed him off even more. Eli grabbed her and forced her into a cupboard. Then he told her that if she made any noise, he wouldn't let her out. He left her there for a while, and eventually he opened the cupboard and pulled her out. He took a cord from a phone charger and held it around her neck and strangled her as he raped her. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. Yeah. And eventually Sam lost consciousness and she doesn't remember anything else until she woke up the next morning. There was still a line around her throat where he strangled her. So he must have been so forceful for the mark to still be there hours later. This is when Sam began to feel like she would never see her baby again. She felt hopeless and really thought that this was the end for her. But again, he apologized and continued gaslighting her. He apologized for stuffing her in a cupboard and raping her and strangling her at the same time. (sighs) He bought her new clothes, new shoes, and jewelry. And for a while, he spoiled her trying to make her believe that he wouldn't hurt her again. Again, this reminds me of the grooming we discussed last week. Buying gifts, trying to build up his power over her by being a source of both her abuse and her joy. You know, it's a twisted mind game. Yeah. 
but this didn't last long. They had a party at their place to watch boxing with some of, fa- of Sam's friends and her family. They were drinking and having fun, but Eli called up his family and told them that the party Sam was having with her friends was out of control. Eli's family came over and walked straight into the house and down to her son's room. Sam was feeding him at the time, but they told her that she was a horrible mother and didn't deserve him. Then they told her that they were taking him away and that they were his parents now. What? Yeah, what? She's the horrible parent? She's not the one enabling her son to be abusive and a total monster to another human being. She was literally feeding her son at the time. Like, how are these people so delusional? And how do they think that they have any right to comment on how Sam's family has fun, you know? I'm so confused. Like They were just having a party to watch boxing, and then Sam randomly or eli randomly called up his family yeah it seems like he just thought they were getting a little too wild yeah it's like like who are you to say that Mm -hmm. when you're an abusive partner like people can have fun and party that's nothing compared to hurting another person Mm mm-hmm Sam wasn't going to let them take her son away, so she took him into her room. But Eli shut the door, trapping her in there with him, and tried to grab the baby away from her. Sam fought for her baby, screaming and yelling for him to let go of the child. But Eli Eli started to hit her, trying to pry the child out of her hands. So, this is terrible, but it keeps getting worse. Then Eli's father busted into the room and put his hands around Sam's throat. This is Eli's father. It's not even Eli, right? Yeah. He squeezed her so hard that she couldn't breathe. And then Eli's mom came in and started pulling Sam's hair and ripping her dress. So they're claiming to be better parents than her, but they're full-on violently assaulting a woman that's trying to feed her child. Like, I mean, seeing the, the parents' reaction here, it doesn't excuse Eli's actions but it makes you kind of understand them because what terrible parents enabling their son to be this monster the sam was able to get a hand free and punch the mom in the face good for you girl then she kicked eli away sam's father made his way into the room and pulled eli's dad away from sam so she could finally breathe again can you even imagine being stuck in such a delusional and ridiculous family spat like this? No, I can't. <laughs> Sam took her son and tried to run out of the house. Eli's family kept trying to stop her, but she finally got out of the door and ran outside screaming for help. She ran to a nearby neighbor's house and they saw her. Her hair was falling out. Her dress was ripped and falling off, and she was covered in bruises. The neighbor called the police And when they showed up, they took Eli and his family away. Eli wasn't allowed back into the house for 10 days, and a safety order was established. Things were okay for a little while, but one night, Sam woke up to Eli choking her. She started kicking and trying to get him off of her. It took a while, but eventually she got away from him. She ran to the phone and called the police again. They arrested him, and he started crying, saying he didn't do anything. But they could see Sam's injuries. 
They took her statement of what happened there, and then they took him away. That was a lot to take in. And this is where we see more manipulation and gaslighting and emotional abuse. Somehow Eli got in contact with her and convinced her to take back her statement. No. And she actually tried to do it. Like, this is how much power he still had over her and how manipulative he was. It's, this is why these monsters are so dangerous. Fortunately, there was too much evidence of what he did to her. He was charged with multiple assaults. But again, he blamed her for it and turned it around on her, saying that if she would have behaved, it wouldn't have happened to her. What the heck, man? You are such a... This all happened because she was having a good time with her friends and family, and apparently he didn't like that. That wasn't... I mean, it was because it wasn't up to his standards, and apparently he viewed himself as a straight-laced, upstanding guy. I mean, he wouldn't let her... He... He controlled her, what she could do. He wouldn't let her smoke or anything besides alcohol, and he viewed himself as like this... He could do no wrong kind of person, but he obviously was an abusive monster. And it's just insane where people's priorities can lie. Violently assaulting another person is just fine in their minds, but smoking a cigarette is just too far. Now, it's insane, unbalanced logic. So Eli blamed Sam for ruining his life because of the assault charges, telling her that she should have behaved. That makes me... So angry to read. <laughs> I know. After this, Sam reached out to her family for help. While Eli was at work, she packed up as much stuff as she could and took her son along with some money she saved up and drove to her mom's house. So she got there and she just broke down. And then she realized that Eli had followed her there. No. He got off work early to stalk her, and he said he was going to kill her if she took his son away. What the heck? But Sam had enough of this. At this point, she wasn't even afraid to die. She just wanted to protect her son. Again, she called the police, hoping they could help protect her. But as time went on, he kept on stalking her. <sighs> and... Again, he resorted to trying to gaslight her, leaving her cards and flowers, begging her to come back to him. And she said pretty much every time he hurt her, he would apologize and say he was just tired and stressed and he just lashed out and it would never happen again. But it always happened again. And this time, though, Sam had grown stronger while being away from her abuser. Mm-hmm. This time, she wasn't going to give in to his manipulation. She did allow Eli to have a relationship with his son. So one day, a few weeks later, Eli took their son out for breakfast. After breakfast, Eli texted Sam to let her know that he was bringing him back home, but that the son was crying. When they got back, she looked out the window as they came up the driveway. She saw Eli slumped over in the driver's seat, and her son in the back of the car screaming and crying. She rushed outside and found Eli completely unconscious and unresponsive, with pill packets all over the place. 
So she called an ambulance for Eli, and he spent three days in a coma. Whoa. At this point, Sam was so broken down and exhausted from all the drama, but she was trying her best to stay strong for her son. She got a lawyer and started working toward getting an order of protection against Eli, as well as full custody of her son, which hopefully wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, I would hope this would be enough to get custody. Attempting to overdose on pills while in a car alone with your son... It's such a disregard for the safety of a child, and I understand mental illness can be powerful and crippling, but with his son in the car, putting his son in danger like that, that's just too far. Mm -hmm. Well, Sam did win full custody of her son, and after that, things started to get better. Her son is finally safe from this abusive man, and she is back with her own family and friends. And Sam has worked really hard to move toward healing and recovery. She's now in a relationship with someone who truly loves and respects her, and it's been a good four years with him. And that's so good to see that she's finally found a truly loving partner after all she's been through. One that respects her as a person. Sam still has PTSD, anxiety, and horrible flashbacks of what she's been through. But she's grateful that she's made it out of this abusive situation. And she really hopes that other people in similar situations can find the strength to escape and recover as well. She's had another baby boy with her new partner. As of this recording, he's 10 months old. And she's finally with someone who acts the way a man should act. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much. Just be a decent, respectful human being. Don't victimize other people and try to be nice. Mm -hmm. But just the fact that Sam was willing to share this story and able to talk about it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a testament to how far she's come. And just, you know, it's, it's inspiring to other people. We've seen it over and over with these listener stories. Other listeners have been inspired, you know, to find their own strength and courage. And it's been really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it has been. We really appreciate all eight of you listeners who have shared your stories on here. And We've had eight? Yeah, That's this crazy. is the eighth listener story. And, I mean, like we said a few weeks ago, we plan on sharing one every month. So, I mean, please keep sending in your stories. We... We have a backlog, but yeah, we, we love it. Because it's crazy that we have a backlog. I know. But we appreciate appreciate each and every one of your stories, and even the people that send in their stories that don't want to share it on the show but just want to share it with us, we appreciate you. And, um, yeah, it's it's been really cool to see how our listeners respond to these stories. and. Mm-hmm. The impact that they've had because i think they hold more weight when it's someone that's part of this community mm-hmm. that listens to us and is kind of on the same page because you know you feel closer to them and like you can relate to them more than if we're sharing a story that's already in the public eye you know right. so so thank you guys all for making this possible this awesome community and if you want to be part of it i mean go join the voice of the victim support system because it would be so cool if all of our listeners kind of congregated over there and could interact with each other and be kind 
because <laughs> we will ban anybody that makes that group a non-pleasant place to be. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's supposed to be a safe place. Yes. So, anyway, when I was talking to Sam, she kept saying, I should have seen the red flags. And I do believe it's important that we all educate ourselves about what to watch for, obviously. But it's important that a victim never blames themselves for not seeing the danger, you know? Mm-hmm. As humans... We naturally want to be forgiving and understanding, but guilt over not seeing what an abuser was going to end up doing in the future will really inhibit recovery. And there's no way a victim can know that someone's going to be abusive and that someone will hurt them in the future. So Nicely said. Yeah, just don't ever blame yourself if you're victimized. So thank you so much, Sam, for having the courage to share your story. It's so powerful and at times so terrible and horrific, but it's nice to have a story that has a hopeful ending. Yeah, and keep hanging in there and working toward recovery. We appreciate you a lot. And again, it's so cool meeting these people who've lived through horrible things but haven't let it ruin their lives. Like I just said, the fact that so many have been willing to open up and talk to us It amazes us that real survivors think that what we're doing here is important and are willing to support us by sharing their stories, you know? Mm -hmm. Because we're just a couple of stupid kids. We don't know. We're just trying to... One of us is in our late 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess I can't call myself a kid anymore. But I feel like a kid, and I know... I'm just giving you a hard time. A lot of people do, even if they're in their 40s or 60s or... Anyway, this was a good story. That was very good. Thank you, Sam. And that's it. Do we have anything else to talk about, Rosie? Yeah. I grilled my leg. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm taking in all the pity. Yeah, we were on a (laughs) pontoon with... My mom's pontoon. And... There was a (laughs) propane grill on the floor of the pontoon, and it was hot. I mean... We usually the pontoon grill has a stand on the side, mm-hmm. but I maybe maybe my mom, my mom's hubby, forgot it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm not used to like having to worry about a grill on the floor, you know. <laughs> so I just kind of forgot about it, and I thought it was off, and then I leaned to grab something in the cup holder. And I completely seared my leg. Yeah. Second degree burn. Second degree burn. It hurts. It hurts so bad. It didn't at first. It was really weird. But then my skin started turning like ghost white. And I was freaking out. And I was like trying to rub it off. And I think that made it worse. Mm -hmm. Like pure instincts. Like what what is on my leg? And And it was just a bunch of dead skin. It really hurt. Now it's bubbly. And um yeah. squishy and stuff looks like an exclamation point it looks like super old man skin it's so weird it's like my regular skin it's leathery it's so odd and i can't keep my hands off it i keep on poking it hasn't even been 24 hours yet yeah it's it's still pretty fresh it's super fresh um yeah my aunt's a nurse so she helped me figure out yeah. what to do about it because i literally didn't want to go in so send rosie your love <laughs> I've been um, spewing off Michael Scott Oh, quotes yeah. Because he cooked burned, your foot. Yeah, I cooked my foot on a George Foreman grill. So, yeah, that's that was new. That's pretty new in my life. 
Oh, I'm yeah. a survivor. Rosie's been pretty. <laughs> she's been pretty out of it the past, like since it happened. She's kind of phased. But <laughs> you did really well today. Thanks. <laughs> oh, we, we needed to read a review. Remember, we got a really oh, nice one. Yeah. Do you I have anything else to talk about while I pull it up? Um. Let me see here. Well, I got it up. Okay. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this one comes in from Allosaurus dot Rex from the United States of America. The title is Amazing Work. Well, do you have it up? Because I have it up. So I don't even have it up. So go ahead. Well, I'll read it then. She says, I think it's a girl. I don't know. I love this podcast. I discovered it via Twitter and have been listening as much as possible lately. The hosts have incredible empathy for both victims and survivors, and it's clear they work very hard to communicate that. I think it's pretty impossible not to enjoy this podcast if you are a fan of true crime. Absolutely give it a listen. Five stars. That's so sweet. That is super sweet. (laughs) That one made my day. Yes. It did. And... Should we share another one? Oh. Wait, did we? Well, we were going to start sharing two per week. Which one? The binge-worthy one? Uh, No, that's from 2018. Never mind. Okay. We'll just share one this week. (laughs) We weren't prepared. We forgot. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) I have ADHD, and I'm pretty much, I'm pretty sure every week I forget to do something. We have some patrons to thank, too. Oh, crap. (laughs) You're right. I know. Okay, you talk about the cats. No, actually, I want to talk about the new Lion King movie. Oh, yeah, which we haven't seen? Yeah, I just want to know if anybody wants to tell me about it and tell me if it was good. I don't really want to hear negative things, though. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm a diehard Disney fan Mm -hmm. and 90s kid. So I don't care that it's like a... It's like pretty much the same thing as a cartoon. That's what I heard. What I've seen... Which is what I want. From the critics is that... They don't like it. But why? Well, that's a good question. And my first reaction would be people love to be miserable. Right. And if seems. there is any little thing they can pick on, they will. We're so. going to see it next week. So we're very excited about it. We wanted to see it at a drive-in, but it was so hot. <laughs> it was so hot. And our friends have a baby, and they didn't realize how late it was going to start, so we decided to dip out on that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, drive-ins go late, because they don't start till sun till uh, sunset, which yeah. is at like 9.30 in the summer, so not good for the a work night. Okay, yeah. we have a couple of shout-outs to give. Candice and Precious. Yay! Thank you guys both so much for your support. And also your kind messages that you sent us. Super awesome. Yes, thank you very much. I believe that's it. I feel like an idiot not being prepared for this ending. But oh, it's okay. You've been having to tend to me and my medium rare leg. <laughs> it's true. And uh, I'm a little burnt out from being in the sun. I'm burnt out too. <laughs> oh, get it. Okay, we can wrap right. this up now. <laughs> That person that said we sound like two stoned high school kids, if they still listen, Prime example will right probably here. be like, yep, case in point. Check out our Fedless store. Oh, yeah, we should probably do that, huh? 
Um, follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcast. Email us at VOVpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and Twitter at VOV Pod. And our threadless store is VOVpodcast.threadless.com, which all those notes are always in the description slash show notes below. <laughs> Sorry, I choked it. I like it's okay. my tongue. That's okay. Right. Now, thank you for listening. Yes. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye.